This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulated and their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash Purple Rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. OutSchool.com slash Purple Rocket, code Purple Rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. Hello there, Rocketeers. This is your host, Greg Webb. Before we get started with today's episode of Grandpa's Globe, I wanted to tell you two things. First, this episode is actually broken into two parts. Because the story got so big, I had to split it into two parts. Now, the other thing I wanted to tell you about this story is about midway through creating it, the volcano in Hawaii started erupting. It's been devastating for the people there, and there have been evacuations, And this story has a lot of volcanoes in it. So even though I was halfway through working on this story, I almost scrapped it altogether just to be sensitive to what was going on. But then I realized this could be a good way to call attention to a crisis that's going on. So we will talk more about the volcano in Hawaii at the end of the episode and how you can support those who have been displaced or affected by it. And now, back to our episode. 
The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Grandpa's Globe. Episode 15, Trouble in the South Pacific, Part 2. Previously on Grandpa's Globe, Sawyer and Susie traveled to Tonga, where they met King Koloa. Per the guidebook's instructions, King Koloa took them to the Kau Volcano, where the twins found the dragon henchmen controlling the volcano using a weird metal box. After the dragon henchmen made the volcano erupt, Susie and Sawyer escaped with King Koloa on his yacht. When they got a safe distance away, they learned from the dragon's plans that the Cow Volcano wasn't the only volcano the dragon planned to control. Susie also found plans to erupt volcanoes in Samoa and Fiji. So, King Koloa, even though he didn't get along with King Lua of Samoa, told the twins to take his boat to Samoa and warn King Lua of the volcano that was about to erupt on his islands. Right after the twins warned King Lua of Samoa of the pending eruption, the volcano exploded into fire and smoke. While King Lua worked to evacuate his people, he had his people take the twins to Fiji. And now for part two. King Lua had his guards fly the twins immediately to the Yasawas, a series of Fijian islands with some of the most sparkling blue lagoons Sawyer and Susie had ever seen. But it was hard to enjoy the views when they knew so many people were in a panic. When they arrived at the lagoons specified in the instructions, they found an older, dark-skinned man with a mustache doing a fire dance all by himself. Flames whipped, cracked, and spun on the ends of a stick that he swirled in circles. Sawyer sat back and watched. The spinning light was mesmerizing. Ouch! said the man, dropping the stick on the ground. He kicked sand over the flaming stick to put the fire out and sucked on his burnt finger. The twins walked up to him. Um, excuse me, sir. Do you know where we could find a Mr... Susie double-checked the name in the guidebook. Nicola? That's me, the man said, still sucking on his finger. Who are you? I'm Susie. This is my brother Sawyer. Susie proceeded to tell the man all about the dragon's plans, the volcanic eruptions, warning the Samoan king and how the Tavuni volcano in Fiji was also a likely target. Nicola thought for a moment and rubbed his mustache. King Koloa warned King Lua? Yep, Sawyer said. Nicola raised his eyebrows. My, my, times are changing, he mumbled. And how exactly did you know to come to me? Susie bit her lip. Well, that's not important. We were given your name by a reliable source and told you could help us. Nicola shook his head. Had you come to me years ago, I might have told you that I could help. But now... He trailed off. Come on, Sawyer pleaded. 
We're running out of time. There has to be something you can do or we wouldn't have been given your name. Nicola considered them. How long can you hold your breath? He asked them. Susie and Sawyer looked at each other. Um, 60, 70 seconds maybe? Susie answered. An hour at least, Sawyer stated matter-of-factly. No, he can't, Susie corrected without even looking at him. Nicola smiled. Follow me. They followed Nicola down the beach and into the crystal-clear water until they were waist-deep. Take a big breath and stay close behind me, he instructed. You'll get more air when we reach the bottom. Reach the bottom, Sawyer repeated. But before he could ask what the man meant, Nicola was already taking a deep breath and diving. Sawyer and Susie quickly did the same. As they swam below the surface, a colorful scene of fish and coral reefs filled their view. Susie felt like she'd passed through a portal into another world. Curious, bright yellow-striped fish fluttered up to check them out, and an octopus propelled itself out of their way. Susie and Sawyer swam close behind Nicola as he dove deeper and deeper. The twins were growing nervous. They were running out of air and were closing in on the point of no return. Sawyer could tell if he didn't stop soon, he wouldn't have enough air to make it back up to the surface. He could feel his lungs starting to ache and his head getting fuzzy. The urge to take a deep breath was gnawing at him. Just when he thought he could take no more, they came over the top of a reef and saw a big, sunken ship. Maybe an old steel vessel from World War I. Rusting and covered with sea growth, it was split in half over a sharp bed of rocks and swimming with life. Sawyer about screamed out as he saw Nicola swim into the eerie ship through a gaping hole in its side. Is this guy nuts? If they go in there, they'll drown! But they had no choice but to follow. So on they swam, into the hole in the ship until they found themselves popping up out of the water, gasping for air. Sawyer and Susie looked around, confused. They were in an air pocket, preserved deep within the metal rooms of the ship. Nicola helped them out of the water and onto a solid surface, which turned out to be the wall of a nicely appointed captain's room. It was tilted on its side from the wreck and now served as the floor. Nicola showed them around his secret lair. I keep oxygen pumped in from the surface using this tube, he said, pointing to a tube that dropped back into the water. I can't imagine who could have known to send you to me, but this must be the reason why. He reached into an old metal chest, tipped sideways against the back wall, and pulled out a large, clear capsule that looked like a dinosaur egg. What's that? Sawyer asked. A volcano diffuser, Nicola said, holding it out with two hands. It's my life's work. Drop this into an erupting volcano, and the chemicals go to work, stabilizing the lava, hardening it into a rocky cap, and plugging the top from further eruptions. Think of it as a pill for Earth's heartburn. Do you have more of them? Susie asked. Oh yes, I've made several. Susie pointed back down to the water. Well then, what are we waiting for? Let's get those things to the volcanoes and stop them from erupting. 
Nicola stared at the cloudy mixture inside the capsule and sighed. Can't. They don't work. Sawyer frowned. But you just said... I was so close, Nicola explained. So close to getting it right. But the ingredients weren't strong enough. I talked big at the beginning, told everyone they had nothing to fear. But when the time came, it failed and there was nothing I could do to stop the volcano's destruction. I obsessed over the missing ingredient for decades, but finally gave up and decided to take on fire twirling. But that has proven equally unsuccessful. He shook his head. This is about as useful as that abandoned crab shell over there. Sawyer jumped. Crab? What? Where? Oh boy, here it comes. He fumbled with the EpiPen from his pack as he started to wheeze. Sawyer, stop, Susie said. You haven't even touched the thing. She looked at Nicola. Sorry, he's allergic to shellfish and gets a little paranoid every time he sees the stuff. Is that... An EpiPen? Nicola asked, staring at the object in Sawyer's hands. Sawyer stopped wheezing suddenly. Yeah, why? Nicola's face lit up. That's it! Ha <laughs> ha! I can't believe it! I knew this day would come! What is it? Susie asked. Epinephrine! The main chemical used in that EpiPen is my missing ingredient! Why didn't I think of it? It's the perfect stabilizer for my recipe! Here, let's see it! Sawyer reluctantly gave it to him. He wasn't sure handing his lifeline over to this crazed fire-twirling scientist was such a good idea. But Nicola took it, opened up the capsule, and poured some of the EpiPen's liquid into it. Immediately, the capsule's mixture swirled into clouds of bright blue. Nicola's feet did a little dance. It worked, it worked! He gave the giant pill a big, long kiss. You're going to stop those volcanoes, aren't you? He told the capsule in a baby voice. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. <clears throat> Susie cleared her throat. Nicola remembered the twins were still standing there. Right. He said, let's go stop some volcanoes. After mixing the EpiPen's liquid into the rest of his volcano diffuser capsules, Nicola swam out of the ship with the twins and boarded a private plane. As they lifted off the runway and soared into the sky, Susie asked Nicola how the capsules worked. It's very simple, he said. We'll fly over the erupting volcano, you will hang out the side of the plane and drop one of the capsules into it. There was a long silence. You want me to hang out of a plane over an erupting volcano? Nicola nodded enthusiastically. Uh-huh. Sawyer put his arm around Susie. Isn't it fun being the mature one? Susie scowled at him. And don't miss the target, Nicola warned. There was just enough EpiPen liquid to mix into three capsules. So you only have three chances to hit three volcanoes. Susie went pale. Sawyer looked unusually chipper. Make us proud, he told Susie. Wait, he turned to Nicola. Did you just say you used all of my EpiPen? Their small plane puttered over the jungle and towards the Mount Telvuni volcano. 
As they neared it, they heard a loud kaboom and watched as a massive explosion of smoke, ash, and red lava spewed from the volcano up ahead. Tavauni looked like your classic cone volcano from a dinosaur movie. Lava oozed down its sides and hissed into the ocean below. Above, ash rained down from the sky. Susie imagined somewhere at the bottom, members of the dragon flipping switches and pulling levers on that big metal box, controlling the volcano's fury. You ready? Nicola shouted through the noise. Susie stared in horror at the fiery mountain and swallowed. No, she said. <laughs> Nicola laughed as if she was joking. She wasn't. Okay, here we go. Nicola lowered the plane to the peak of the erupting landmass. Sawyer tied a rope around Susie's waist so that she'd stay attached to the plane. Unfortunately for her, Sawyer dropped out of Boy Scouts and couldn't remember a single knot. As they soared over the volcano, Susie leaned out the open door with the big capsule in hand. Even from hundreds of feet up, the heat from the lava was overwhelming, singeing her cheeks as if she'd put her face too close to an open oven. Terrified and not sure this would even work, Susie stared down through the hazy chaos and waited for the plane to be in position. She knew she had to drop it at just the right moment or all would be lost. If she dropped it too early, it would land before the hole. If she waited too long, she'd overshoot and it'd drop into the ocean. She had to take into account the wind. No doubt it would blow the capsule off course a little. Okay, now she was overthinking it. She was over the volcano now and had to decide quick. Through the smoke, she could see the bubbling red-hot lava coming into view. Now, she thought. She let go of the capsule and watched it fall, fall, fall towards the volcano. Halfway down, a gust of wind blew it to the side. Gliding more and more to the edge of the hole, Susie worried it wouldn't make it. She held her breath. The capsule hit the side lip of the hole and rolled along the edge. For one very long second, it teetered, and then dropped down into the lava. Bubbling molten rock instantly melted through the capsule's thick shell, releasing Nicola's secret recipe of chemicals. Moments later, they heard a creaking noise. Susie squinted through the smoke and saw the lava turning into hardened black rock. I think it's working, she shouted. Sawyer and Nicola cheered in the cockpit. They pulled Susie inside and the three of them watched as the huge, roaring smokestack shrank to a thin trail of smoke. And then, with one last patch of lava turning into rock, the smoke and chaos was gone. The volcano stood like a quiet, stoic mountain overlooking the ocean. Nicola and the twins cheered some more and then set their course for Mount Motovanu in Samoa. Sawyer imagined how mad the dragon henchmen would be on the volcanoes as they realized their little control box was now powerless. They better get used to disappointment because there was more headed their way. Susie's heart raced as they approached the next volcano. Lava and rock gurgled up from the green crater and thick trails of lava buckled the dense forest trees around it. Occasionally, a huge splash of lava would spit up out of the volcano as if some giant thing had done a cannonball into it. Susie took the second capsule and leaned out over the side of the plane. Adrenaline rushed through her veins. She had looked out over the side of tall buildings and from the top of roller coasters before, but this was much worse. 
The only thing keeping her from dropping down into a boiling hot pit was her brother's questionable knot-tying skills. She took a deep breath and waited for the plane to get into position. Before she dropped the capsule, she spotted the dragon's control box. This one was propped up above the trees on tall piers, like a metal treehouse overlooking the carnage it provoked. If she squinted, she could make out dragon henchmen looking up at them, probably wondering who would be crazy enough to fly their plane into the path of an erupting volcano. The wide crater was now directly below the plane. This should be an easier target than the first. Susie dropped the capsule. They watched as it whistled down through the smoke and disappeared. Susie lost sight of it. Everyone did. Nothing happened. Did we miss it? Sawyer asked. Just as the words left his mouth, they heard a loud crack. The lava was turning into rock. You did it! Nicola cheered. As they celebrated, the volcano below crusted over and hardened until the smoke and lava faded. From there, they headed to their final destination, Tonga. Susie relived the terrifying violent eruption of Mount Cow. She shuddered at the thought of how close she came to being flattened by falling rock. It could only be worse now. This time, she wouldn't be staring up at it. She'd be staring down into the mouth of the beast. They were miles away when they saw it. Ash rain fell over their plane from thick, dark clouds, fed by the volcano's billowing chimney. The eruption was at least twice as big as the last two and twice as furious. Susie wasn't ready for this. This was not what she signed up for. Even Sawyer was petrified and all he had to do was sit in the cockpit and cheer her on. Nicola stared at the horrifying spectacle through the window and considered for a moment turning around and calling it off. But they were too close. And he wanted more than anything to prove that his life's work was worth it. So he pushed on. The plane flew closer to the volcano, swerving left and right to dodge the falling rock. How am I supposed to drop it when we're moving like this? Susie shouted. There's nothing I can do, Nicola told her. The debris is everywhere. I'll try to keep the plane stable long enough for you to make the drop. That would be a good idea. Closer and closer they flew. The mouth of the volcano was almost under them. With one more deep breath to calm her nerves, Susie grabbed the last capsule and leaned out the side door. Just as she was taking aim, a smoking hunk of rock roared towards her. Nicola swerved the plane out of the way just in time, making Susie slam back onto Sawyer. The massive molten rock skimmed by the plane, scraping the side and taking a chunk off the wing. The plane wavered. You better drop that soon! I'm losing her! Nicola yelled. Susie leaned back out and took aim. She was almost in position. Her hands trembling, she held out the clear egg and waited. Time seemed to tick by in slow motion. As the capsule slid out of her fingers, a rock the size of her head shot up in front of her and ripped through the damaged wing. The plane jerked hard to the left, dropping Susie out of the plane and making her let the capsule go too soon. Before she could fall too far, Sawyer grabbed onto the rope. Screaming at the top of her lungs, Susie dangled by the rope as Sawyer pulled it back into the smoking plane. With one wing practically gone, it was spiraling out of control. They were going to crash. She dropped the capsule too early, and now they were going to crash. 
When she made it back into the cockpit, Susie collapsed onto Sawyer. It's okay, I got you, Sawyer said, holding her close. I missed, Susie cried, unable to believe she'd blown her chance. As she sobbed into Sawyer's shoulder, Sawyer noticed the pink flower in Susie's hair. Susie, your flower, he said, pointing to the pink blossom. Wiping the ash-smudged tears from her face, Susie took the flower and held it out. The Plumeria Parachute, she said. Nicola, let go of the controls and hold on to us. But I don't have any parachutes, he cried. Nicola, now! Nicola let go of the controls and dove over to them. As he and Sawyer hugged onto Susie, she kicked out of the plane and plucked off one of the flower's petals. Holding it above her head, the pink flower burst into a giant pink parachute, wrapping itself around Susie's hand and expanding to catch the wind above her. As soon as the parachute whipped open, the three of them were jerked hard before gliding safely down into the jungle on the side of the volcano. Okay, so they weren't safe, but at least they weren't falling to their deaths. Now what? Sawyer said, looking up at the roaring volcano above them. We've got to get that capsule to the top, Susie said. I think I saw where it fell. Maybe we can find it. Nicola shook his head, still stunned by seeing a flower turn into a parachute. We have nothing to lose, he said. Lead the way. Susie led them through the jungle to the area she thought she dropped the capsule. She remembered seeing a clearing in the trees where it landed, so it had to be around there somewhere. After a couple minutes of running, they reached the clearing, but as they ran into it, they skidded to a stop. Looking for this? said a man in front of them. He was holding the capsule out with one hand. He was dressed in black and had a shaved head and a mean face. A dragon henchman. Behind him were at least two dozen more of them, all smiling like they'd just won. Didn't they realize there was a volcano erupting above them? Give it to us, Sawyer shouted. What, so you can stop the eruption? The man sneered. That's right. The other stations told us what you were up to. Said you were dropping some kind of miracle pill into the volcanoes and plugging them up. Turns out they weren't as crazy as we thought. If you don't give that back, we're all gonna die, Susie said. We know when to evacuate, the man said. But it looks like your way out just took a dive. Nah, I think we'll hold on to it. Both wouldn't like us tampering with his plans. We need all the power we can get from these volcanoes. Not to mention all the ransom money by threatening to turn them on whenever we want. Besides, the boss man would like to know how this thing's made so he can stop it. You aren't going anywhere with that capsule, Susie said through her teeth. The man looked back at his small army and laughed. <laughs> oh, is that right? And who's going to stop us? We are, came a booming voice in the trees. King Koloa and King Lua emerged from the forest with their country's rugby teams behind them. The huge muscular men stood in formation and awaited their king's orders. Susie looked at them, shocked. King Lua? I thought you and Koloa didn't get along. We didn't, Lua replied. But when you told me that Koloa sent you to warn me, 
I knew that only a true friend would do such a thing. And I knew that this was his way of apologizing for cheating in that game of chess. I didn't cheat, Kaloa insisted. You moved three spaces with your knight. I did no such thing. Gaive, Gaive, the dragon henchman interrupted. If you want it, come and get it. The army of henchmen gathered behind him. Kaloa smiled. Brothers, he called back to his rugby players. You heard the man. Go get it. The rugby players shouted, yelped, stomped, and slapped at their knees and chests as they did the haka, the Polynesian war cry meant to intimidate the enemy. From the looks of it, it did the trick. The dragon henchmen backed away. One last shout and the rugby players charged. The two groups slammed into each other, scuffling for the capsule. The henchmen were no match for the rugby players. The rugby players plowed over them with ease, led by their kings. King Kaloa scooped the capsule up off the ground once it was dropped and charged up the mountain with it. Running next to him was King Lua, fending off any pursuing henchmen and blocking their attack. Sawyer, Susie, and Nicola watched in amazement as the two kings carried the pill up the volcano, dodging magma and flying rocks until they reached the last stretch. Lightning flashed up the pillar of smoke into the sky, and thunder cracked in the clouds. The kings came to a stop in front of a thick line of lava blocking their path. Lava covered the last hundred feet to the top. Kaloa handed the capsule to his friend. You were always the better kicker, he said. Lua grinned and took the capsule. Yes, I was. With one hard boot, he punted the capsule up the rest of the mountain and into the mouth of the volcano. After a moment of nothing, the volcano coughed up a few last bursts of lava and then sputtered until it was plugged with rock. Kaloa and Lua jumped and hollered and hugged each other. Down below, the twins, rugby players, and Nicola did the same. As they celebrated, the henchmen retreated back into the jungle. They're getting away, Nicola told the players. The team captain laughed. Don't worry, we have men waiting for them at their boat. Susie realized it was getting late and panicked. Does anybody have the time? There's a clock in the boat down that path, the team captain said. Sawyer and Susie said their goodbyes, grabbed their things, and ran down the path to the boat. When they got on board, they scoured every cabin looking for a clock. It's gotta be in the cockpit somewhere, Sawyer said. Susie looked around. Where's the cockpit? Up there! Sawyer pointed to a room on the second floor towards the front of the boat. They ran to it and burst through the door. There in the middle of the controls was a circular clock. Just as they ran up to it, the hour hand moved to four o'clock. Click! Hey, Rocketeers. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Grandpa's Globe. Like I said at the beginning of the story, I almost scrapped 
this episode because I was writing it right as Hawaii's Kilauea volcano started erupting. There are fissures in the earth emitting toxic fumes and lava and destroying homes and other structures, and people have been evacuated. So first of all, I want to say my thoughts and prayers go out to all those who've been affected by this eruption. And I thought I'd finish this episode because I thought it was a good way to bring attention to what's going on with the Kilauea volcano and to remind everyone of the real threat that volcanoes pose to so many people throughout our world. Those people in Hawaii need our help. So if you'd like to donate and help those victims who've been displaced, there are a couple ways you can do it. You can do it through the American Red Cross website or by calling 808-739-8109. There's also a donation page set up on the Public Good website at publicgood.com. You can search for the Hawaiian volcano there. My heart goes out to those who've been affected by this unbelievable event. Just know that our prayers are with you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of Grandpa's Globe, which is a production of the Purple Rocket Podcast. Be sure to tune in next Monday for an all-new episode. This is your host, Greg Webb.